Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, February 6th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I'm joined by my guy, Kenny, as we will be taking on an interesting six-game slate on this Tuesday evening with a bunch of games that have uh, some pretty interesting totals and uh, spreads to kind of navigate through and figure out exactly where the value is going to be. But uh, before we jump right into that, as always, if you want to keep yourself on top of all that is happening in the DFS world, make sure to get yourself subscribed to the Sports Ethos DFS Pass so you can get access to all of the excellent content, our DFS deliveries, our daily prop picks, a bunch of different articles, our live injury report, and of course, access to our Discord where you can ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock just how to go about Kind of dealing with us. Well, uh, you know, Kenny, before we get going on here, you know, thank you for taking on last week. I was pretty much out of town for about five days there, but uh, you know, it's uh, two weeks off. Came back onto this. How are things on your end? And uh, how have the last couple of days gone for you? Oh, man, yeah, it was hard doing this solo, man. It was hard doing this solo, <laughs> but um, I pushed through. Um, when it comes to props, you know, things been things been pretty good. Could could have been a whole lot better if um would have got one more block out of um AD. I think that was a little um eight hundred dollar swing for me. Um, but not complaining, man. Made profits. Um, DFS been pretty good. Uh, man, ready to take down another slate. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. One day off, it's all about what you do for us lately, and that's exactly what we're here for. So jumping right into six games over here, really starting with the uh, the point guard side of things. First of all, just taking a look at uh, a couple of uh, a couple of these teams sitting on a uh, potential back-to-back scenario. So we saw both uh, Kyrie and Luka Doncic make their way back onto the floor on the, their games on Monday night, and really no uh, no major restrictions or anything of that sort coming through. It was a, a bit of a grinded out game for them against the uh, against the 76ers, and they were able to go ahead and pull out the uh, uh, the victory over there. But really, just comes down to how much of their uh, players are going to be available on the next day. It's interesting because that's the only game that doesn't currently have a total assigned to them. But if uh, if everyone plays as expected, I and mean, we saw Kyrie went, go ahead and play 35 minutes in that first game back. So if he's feeling good and he gets back onto the floor, his price tag has dropped all the way down to 8,500 with, uh, with the time that uh, went off over here. So definitely someone to consider and someone to keep an eye closely on if uh, he is going to be playing as normal with no restrictions there. It should be a great matchup against uh, the Brooklyn Nets over here, uh, a high-octane team, a, a team that uh, loves uh, to let other guards go off on them. And uh, as always, I mean, Brooklyn just happens to be pretty undersized on the uh, on the perimeter as well, outside of uh, Mikael Bridges doing his thing. So it's only so many players that he can guard, and Kyrie should find himself in a pretty good scenario there. That being said, uh, kind of on the other side of it all, if uh, we do start to see some of these guys actually sitting out as far as the uh, as far as the Dallas rotation is concerned, then Jaden Hardy may want very well once again become a viable play to look at as well. And we saw kind of earlier uh, near the end of uh, end of January where he was getting closer to 30 minutes on there and ended up with a couple of games where he was in the mid 30s as far as DK points is concerned. So definitely someone to potentially think about as far as uh, as far as pure uh, values concerned if people are sitting uh, on the uh, mid side of things. And this is really where I've been kind of keeping a, a close eye on how Terry Rozier is really getting himself accustomed to the uh, the Miami uh, rotation, how he's being uh, being incorporated into the offense, and 
and we're starting to see a little bit of some normalcy coming into it uh, in that uh, in that last Clippers game. Got all the way up to 38 minutes onto the floor, even though he still hasn't shot all that well since he has uh, made his way over to Miami. Uh, what we are seeing, though, is a, a lot more kind of overall just usage coming his way, as well as ball handling capabilities as you know, the rest of the rotation works itself out. Now, I think uh, uh, Tyler Hero, who is uh, listed as probable coming back into this game, may actually help a little bit with Rozier having a little bit more space in the perimeter, maybe able to get some of those three-point shots going because the last three games now, he shot a grand total of one of 15 from downtown. So definitely something to be said about uh, eventually getting back to the averages as far as that's concerned. And even though Rozier is never a great shooter from outside, he was, he's never uh, shy on volume. So you can expect that he'll start to get some of those percentages uh, back in norm as well. Uh, who are you looking at as far as point guards are concerned, Kenny? Um, man, when it comes to point guard, man, you know I'm going straight to the narrative, man. Um, definitely got to look at Kyrie as a stand-up if he's playing. Um, going to be probably one of the few times he would have played in Brooklyn since um, 2020. Um, but I really do like this matchup for him if he plays – because he does seem like the type of player who's, you know, will put a little at your, you know, shots up, get to the line a little bit more in the little revenge game against one of his former teams. Um, when it came to this mid-tier pick for the point guard position, it was kind of hard for me to kind of really land on like a true mid-range pick. Um, so I'm just going to bracket it to two groups. Um, the first group will be out of um, Gilliard and Scotty Pippa Jr. Can't believe I'm saying this in 2024. <laughs> but really, um, Memphis is depleted with a lot of players on their roster, have a whole lot of 10-day contract players. And with Gilliard, you know he was in their system since um, since the beginning of the year. Um, Scotty Pippen, he's more of a little recent pickup this year. But both are priced around similar range. They do have a uglier matchup against New York. But at that price range and with that usage, I do feel like both are um, valuable for both um, GPP and cash. Then I guess for my cheapy play, um, not, not that much of a difference in price tag. It's going to be between um, Jalen Slugs and Markel Foltz. I'm leaning more towards Foltz, but I feel like that would be more of a GPP play since Fultz will not get you three-pointer attempts at all. Like, all his points is basically just going to be layups, free throws. That's it. Um, if you want a little bit more of a scoring upside, I will run with Suggs in that position going up against Miami. They do give up a good amount of points. Um, except um, the other night when they played against the Clippers, and for some odd reason they thought, you know, hey, we're going to play defense for three quarters and just give us, you know, a 140 game total in the first three quarters. But outside of that, that's how I'm looking at attacking the point guard position tomorrow. Fair enough. Uh, I like uh, finding this to be where I focus in on when it comes to the shooting guard side of things, which, I mean, in very, in you know, a lot of these scenarios, you're finding that it is much of the same player pool that has that dual eligibility and, and being able to go ahead and fit them into here. But uh, starting at the top, I do uh, want to give a shot to a potential Anthony Edwards pick over here. Again, it just comes down to uh, having a guy who has that potential to be able to put up a 50-burger in a game that can be you know, a little bit closer than we're expecting for Chicago at home uh, in, a, in a position, obviously, 
injuries are, are plaguing them. Tech would be likely out for what could be could be the entire season as far as we know. I think it's at least uh, four to six months that was given there, if I recall. So yeah, that's a big thing. But as far as uh, Chicago is concerned, still at home, they still they find ways to continue to remain pesky. And if uh, Anthony Edwards can find himself in that scenario where he's going to be playing that uh, regular complement of 35, 36 minutes on here, I very easily see him in a position where he'll put up those 20, 22 shot attempts and uh, get himself to that uh, kind of 40, 45 to uh, 48 DK points mark, which is a very solid start for someone who's sitting at 8,400 as far as his price tag is concerned. So from an expensive standpoint, that's kind of the one area I was focusing in on. But going into that kind of mid-tier, cheapy kind of plays, uh, I was already there with you as far as uh, Suggs is concerned. Uh, I do think that his price tag allows him enough of a buffer to potentially see that even if he's not necessarily having a great night, his uh, his ability to just be on the floor for anywhere between 28 to 32 minutes on a regular basis usually keeps his floor in a pretty secure spot as far as the mid-20s is concerned for me. DK point standpoint. So pretty uh, safe pick to be able to take him at 4,900 and still giving you a little bit of upside over there. Uh, in that same uh, region, just a bit more, uh, we're starting to see Josh Giddy get uh, a little bit more of time as a, as a bit of a closer. Obviously, that double overtime game uh, against Toronto, which gave up a 23-point lead, although I absolutely expected that to happen. They uh, allowed Josh Giddy to be able to put up 41 minutes of that and end up with a 24-6-6 and six line. Now, not necessarily something that we see on a absolutely regular basis with, with Giddy because his minutes have been very much up and down. But uh, overall, uh, you're finding that uh, they are trending in a direction that you wanted to be able to go. And if it's not a complete blowout game, he is finding himself more consistently in that uh, mid to high 20s and in more of the uh, closing lineups for the Thunder as well. So in a matchup here against the Utah Jazz, which is uh, as of uh, right now, the second highest total of the night, looking at 243 with the Thunder favored to win by three. You're definitely going to expect that uh, that Giddy should have an opportunity to be able to put up uh, some pretty good uh, numbers over here. And uh, to his credit, the two games that he has played against Utah earlier this season, he's averaging 43 DK points in those ones as well. So definitely a matchup that he has enjoyed so far. And uh, being uh, back in Utah where he played uh, in the middle of January and he dropped a, tr- a triple-double on a uh, 2010-6 night, definitely something to, uh, to keep in mind and see if he can replicate some of that performance. Uh, at the same time, uh, also looking at the uh, the Indiana Pacers side of things, with uh, with Tyrese Halliburton still uh, listed as uh, as questionable for the game, we'll have to see if he actually ends up uh, coming up on the floor. I do still think there's enough room for uh, someone like a Benedict Mathurin to uh, put up some uh, pretty decent numbers for his price tag as well. Again, at uh, at 5400 in a matchup where Houston themselves are going to be a little uh, beleaguered as well. Uh, Fred VanVleet has already been ruled out uh, from his side over there, so. Um, I don't mind uh, taking a shot at someone like a Mathurin who should still find himself in a scenario where he's playing anywhere between 27 to 30 minutes, kind of regardless of uh, of where the game is going. And it really just comes down to whether he can get uh, his shot going. He's very much a uh, in the same kind of mold as someone like a Cam Thomas, where his point scoring is going to be what drives the rest of his fantasy value. And if he can have a decent uh, shooting night, you'll often find that the rest of the ancillary stats open up and he ends up with a, uh, a potential upside for somewhere in the high 30s to low 40s. Right, those are some pretty solid picks. Um, playing it a little bit different. Um, with my spend-up, man, it feels odd to call it just a spend-up on this late. <laughs> um, it's going to be 7-1 for Jalen Green against Indiana. 
Um, I really do love the projected game total of this matchup. And if I recall, um, I want to say he came out of a little shooting slump the last time he played Indiana and actually, man, I want to say he connected on um, six three-pointers in the game. I don't think he's going to replicate that, but I do feel like he should have a good amount of usage. He should get you 25 actual points or more. So I'm going to be spending 7-1 for him and my spend-up in both cash and GPP. Um, for, a, I guess you could say, a cash game play because he should be chalky. My mid-tier pick will be Luke Kennard. I really don't understand how he didn't get up 13 three-pointers in um, the last matchup they played when they had, I want to say, one or two actual roster spots players playing in that game um, outside of Luke Kennard. But I really do feel like he should, if he's able to get the ball, be able to put up at least 10 three-pointers in this matchup. Um, then for my... Guess you could say um, low tier pick, not not too low tier. Um, this again probably will be a chalky pick. That's going to be Cam Whitmore in the same matchup against um, Indiana that Jalen Green's in. I do feel comfortable playing both of these players together. And um, Cash, if I'm playing GPP, I feel like it's more of a solo spot, one or the other. Um, outside of that, that's how I'm looking at attacking the little shooting guard position tomorrow. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I like that. And I feel like uh, I'm trying to be a little bit uh, sneakier with that Cam Whitmore side because you also had that small forward eligibility. So I was going to bring him up on here because I was uh, not necessarily loving some of these other value options on that side. So it's going to throw him in there, but solid pick as far as that is concerned. Uh, beyond that, uh, going back to that uh, Mavericks and, and Brooklyn game over here. And again, I feel like uh, you have to uh, find him on, on a good night. Uh, because it's been a bit of an up-and-down season in general as far as Mikhail Bridges is concerned. But 7,200 just gives me enough of a buffer for his floor, which is he's sitting at around that 33-34 mark for the last uh, two through two weeks at this point, really, on average, that he still gives you that upside where he can drop his 50-plus uh, point game if he's having one of those uh, one of those nitries contributing across the board, as we saw uh, earlier in, uh, in January when he did that against Utah. And also had a big game against the New York Knicks as well. But on the other hand, we get what he's kind of been doing over the last couple of games where he's playing anywhere between 32 to 40 minutes, which is excellent. But his uh, overall just usage is not where you'd uh, necessarily expect it to be. He's a bit passive for a lot of the times and then ends up finding himself trying to get some of those shots up late in the game to make it up. And it doesn't necessarily uh, get him there as far as his, uh, his DK points potential is concerned, nor from a pure field goal percentage but this should be a, a pretty decent matchup for him to try and get uh, back on track as far as that's concerned perimeter defense is definitely not a uh, strength as far as uh, as far as dallas is concerned and and again we spoke about the uh, back-to-back earlier on so if uh, there is any sort of a miss on that end uh, you would definitely think that bridges is going to be one of those to take advantage of that so 7200 definitely one up there uh looking on the uh, the mid-tier side of things and this is really where uh you know, similar to what you spoke about with the uh, with the Cam Whitmore side, uh, looking also at the uh, at the New York Knicks uh, and uh, Memphis Grizzlies game over here, where you know I'm a bit afraid, first of all, from a uh, game scripting standpoint, where you know, the Grizzlies are expected to lose this game by 13, only a 214 and a half game total, which definitely doesn't uh, scream out incredible value as far as these guys are concerned. But uh, I do still think there's a pretty good spot for uh, someone like a Gigi Jackson 
to replicate what he was able to do in that uh, Boston game a, a couple of nights ago with the, everyone pretty much either on the on the shelf or just altogether not getting that same level of, uh, of, of minutes that we'd see here. Uh, we'll likely see uh, Gigi Jackson getting more of those opportunities to be able to play in those uh, mid to high 20 minutes, uh, even getting up into the 30s if and no one else is, is kind of around to be able to do that. So for a guy who's youngest guy in the league, obviously has a lot of uh, growing to do as far as his game is concerned, has already shown flashes. And uh, at 5,600, if he can get himself in that scenario where he's again going to be playing uh, 30 plus minutes, he should be able to put up uh, somewhere between the 15 to 16 shots in that time, which hopefully should be enough regardless of what the game's looking like, uh, to put him in a pretty good position to uh, to comfortably beat out his uh, his uh, his value. All right. All right. It's pretty pretty nice picks. I like to think on a few of these. Um, might be might be on different fields from Mikael Bridges, but I understand the reasoning. Uh, with my stand-up, I'm actually going to go with somebody who I feel like will get to the line possibly 10 times on this slate. And that's Jimmy Butler going up against Orlando. Um, I I really, especially if Hero is out, um, I'm not sure if he will be since it was a migraine problem that kept him out on Sunday. Um, Jimmy Butler should be able to get you probably 30 8 to 40 PRA in this game. Um, and when it comes to DK points, probably going to be around 55 on the upside. Um, I really do like him in this matchup. 7-5 is a great price for him. I'm going to plug him in and cash and GPP. And I feel like his ownership won't be as high as uh, many people would think, um, unless more news breaks out. But I really don't see him going over 15% on this slate. Um, when it comes to Mid-tier pick, I actually had a problem trying to find something I like. Um, so I'm just going to risk it in a game that could be a blowout. I'm just going to go with a hustle player who's going to be playing against the Memphis Hustle um, tomorrow. That's Josh Hart for 6-3. I really do feel like this is a potential double-double spot for him. And more of a safe pick. I don't, I'm not sure if I would play him in GPP. Probably would just limit him straight to cash. But he should be able to generate you around 30 DK points in this spot. Then, um, and I really don't know how to really attack this small forward position on a cheap, cheap route. So um, I'm just going to keep it safe and give a cash play for um, DK. And that's going to be um, Alexander Walker for three sets. He will get consistent minutes, might not produce the best amount of stats, don't have the greatest upside, but floor should be around 10 to 12 DK points. For three sets on this slate, I feel like that's something that can help you win in a cash game, but I will stay away from it in a GPP. Yeah, see, fair enough. This is, this is why I saved my uh, Cam Whitmore guy so I can go ahead and throw him as a cheapie on my small forward because I wasn't liking too much of what we were seeing over there. But on the, uh, on the power forward side, uh, there were a couple of uh, a couple of guys that I had some decent amount of interest in. Uh, you already mentioned uh, Josh Hart, who I was going to say from a power forward standpoint, also has that uh, capability to play probably 35, 36 minutes on here. So he's going to be in a good spot. But in that same kind of region, both uh, John Collins and Precious Achua are also going to be guys that I have uh, some interest in, given their their price tags and their respective matchups. Uh, coming to Achua first, uh, he's been very much the direct 
beneficiary of uh, both uh, Julius Randle's injury and just altogether him getting more kind of accustomed and acclimated to the uh, uh, the New York system in general. Now, having seen Achua for a bunch of years now with the uh, with the Toronto Raptors, you know he's going to blow hot and cold. If he can have a good night, he absolutely has the capability to be able to put up some pretty big numbers. But at the other side, he can definitely leave you uh, leave you cold when he has one of those passive games and just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. But what is working in his favor is that with the, the way that the rotation's working out, he's ended up with 40-plus minutes in each of his last three games. So even if he's not necessarily having a great night, as he didn't have against the Lakers, for example, he still keeps you in that uh, floor of that uh, low to mid-20s as far as his, his uh, value is concerned for him to start. So uh, all you really need is for him to have a pretty decent rebounding night because you know he'll uh, likely be able to find himself with somewhere in the low teens as far as shot attempts are concerned just as a result of being out there for as long as he is. So if everything else kind of works out, he does give you that upside in a uh, in what should be you know, a more cagey matchup. I expect there will be a lot of rebounds available in this. Memphis, obviously not the most offensively talented team out there, and New York with uh, with their guys out as well are also going to find themselves in a interesting scenario of being able to find some consistent uh, consistent points from somewhere. So uh, Achua should get in a, in a scenario where he should be able to put up a double double over here. And uh, that does give him that upside to be able to get into the uh, into the 30 plus as far as his points are concerned. And then the, that leads into uh, the John Collins side as well, which uh, for him, it's less about uh, his uh, his ability to be able to put up points, which he absolutely has shown even in the most uh, recent uh, couple of weeks. But it's uh, it's the fact that his minutes uh, continue to be a bit up and down and a lot of uh, kind of matchup specific uh, specific scenarios that they go ahead and put out there. But in a matchup against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, where you are going to have a uh, Chet Holmgren, who very much is a uh, you know this, a guy in the same kind of mold of how John Collins' game is, the ability to kind of stretch the floor out there, be more of a, uh, a stretch big, and they're going to likely want a little bit more uh, mobility on the perimeter to try and stay uh, try and stay ahead of them there as well. So I expect that John Collins should find himself with a, a couple more minutes in this matchup, getting closer to that uh, 28 to 30 which is really all you need from, from him to be able to put up a, a night where he ends up anywhere between 35 to 38 DK points with upside to do a bit more depending on how things go. So uh, obviously a lot of it's going to depend on how Utah actually uh, stays up in this matchup. Again, uh, from a, uh, a spread standpoint, it, it is expected to be a close one. So I'm hoping that we can see some of that. And uh, hopefully John Collins gets into it. And the last one, from a cheap standpoint, went all the way down, bargain bottom, all the way to 3,500 over here. It's Aaron Wiggins on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And what we've really seen from him as of late has just been a, uh, a greater uh, bunch of lineups that he's finding himself uh, sitting into. So he's kind of that uh, small forward, power forward tweener, but he's getting himself into some of those shooting guard lineups as well, alongside uh, Lou Dort to give him a little bit more of a consistent uh, perimeter threat. We saw him get all the way up to 11 three-point attempts in that uh, Toronto game over there. But even outside of that, in limited minutes where he's playing anywhere between 20 and 25, he's still finding himself putting anywhere between three to five three-point attempts in that time as well. So for someone who's sitting at 3,500, you just need a couple of those to go, and you're already good to go as far as his price tag is concerned. So he'll be that uh, that cheap dart throw that I'll be looking at as my power forward spot. All right. Purchase all the picks. Um... When it comes to spend up, I'm just gonna leave my spend up to cash game pick 
and that's going to be Cat going against Chicago. Um, I never feel right rostering Cat. Um, you know he's going to get the minutes. You know he's going to get about 15 to 18 shots up. Don't know how many of those are going to connect. Don't know when he's going to choose to rebound. But for a cash game play for 7-9, I really do feel like that's going to be a safe 35-45 DK points. And on this slate, I feel like that's something that you should just get if you can, especially in a cash game. Now, GPP is definitely the nickname of my uh, mid-tier play with somebody who's been playing. I don't even know if awful is a word. Um, but Jabari Smith Jr. I, I really don't know what's going on with him right now. Um, it seemed like the past two weeks just been, I, I don't know, maybe he's just going through some stuff, but for 5-2 going up against Indiana, I really do feel like if you need a bounce back game, this is probably going to be the second best thing you can get to a bounce back game outside of playing Memphis these days. Um, so for 5-2, I really do feel like he has an upside of 50 DK points, low ownership, especially due to how he was playing recently. So you might be able to get him on 5% in a GPP, and that's something that could really turn around the slate for you. Now, going with my cheapie, um, man, I never thought I would say this name again, but this dude used to give, um, give you 20 points automatically in college, and he's a Coach K product, man. I'm going... Back to the Memphis hustle, and naturally going to talk about um, Hurt. Man, I I really don't feel right saying you should play him in anything um, NBA-related, but Matt can score, man. Um, they don't really have too many options. He got a good amount of minutes in the game um, the other day on Sunday, and honestly, he, he might be playing center for him. So um, you might be able to get you a couple rebounds, but um, a potential player who could knock down a couple threes, get you a couple points, get to the line, get you a couple boards, might be able to get you close to um, 30 DK points um, if they give them 30 minutes again. Um, and for 3-8, that's something I'm going to be willing to take a chance on. I'm going to leave you uh, quite hurt, really digging deep into taking some of that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think you... I hit a couple of the players that I was uh, looking at in the same way. Again, this dual eligibility puts it in an interesting spot to just go ahead and fit out uh, the lineup as well because I'm, I'm right there with you as far as Cat's concerned. As you said, uh, his his uh, unfortunate side where he gets passive and gets away from it really does give you you know migraines as far as uh, what he can do because you know whenever he plays his normal game and gets himself aggressive and going into it, he has that 50-plus upside every time he goes. 7,900, that's probably a pretty fair bet to be able to make and to hope that he can um, go ahead and, and replicate some of the uh, earlier games that he was having uh, in, in January rather than what we start to see kind of later on near the, uh, near the end of the month over there. Uh, at that same mark, uh, and again, going back to that OKC and Utah game, since I mentioned John Collins on, the other, on one side, I do want to run it on the other hand and, and potentially look at uh, Chet Holmgren as well. Again, not necessarily my absolutely favorite pick for his price tag because he can also have those games where he's kind of reliant on what's becoming more and more of a prevalent outside shot for him again got up to 10 three-point attempts in that in that toronto game and even uh, prior to that had averaged uh, five three attempts in the last two games before that against charlotte and denver as well not necessarily where i want to see it going because 
Chet showed earlier on the season when he was being more aggressive on the inside. His block numbers were also uh, positively benefiting from that, and that's when we were seeing those really kind of monster games as far as uh, as far as the stocks are concerned. But uh, it, it is still obviously an, an evolution that's coming there, and 7,500 is again a, a fair enough bet in a matchup that should be a very high octane one for uh, for Chet Holmgren to again be in that in that region where he can put up 40 plus over here, even if he's not necessarily having a amazing uh, rebounding night. But you're hoping that he can get somewhere closer to that uh, that double double mark rather than the five and six rebounds he's gotten in the last two games there. So a bit of an adjustment from uh, from OKC side as far as that's concerned. And then as far as uh, as far as cheap picks are concerned. And again, I feel like uh, this uh, OKC Utah game just gives you so many potential options to be able to uh, go ahead and, and find how things work out. But Walker Kessler continues to be a guy that I think in cash you can definitely take for that uh, 4,600. But he still gives you, you know, decently enough upside if he can play his his regular kind of allotment of minutes and not uh, what we saw for a little bit at the end of January there where he ended up in the teens. That's kind of your only worry as far as as far as Kessler is concerned, because as, so, as soon as he's on the floor, you know he's going to be a double-double threat on a nightly basis while having the capability to put up those monster block nights where even though he's only played like a grand total of 50 minutes or so in the last three games, he still ended up uh, racking up 11 blocks at that time. So, you know, lots and lots of upside as far as that's concerned, and his rebounding upside is always there as well. It really just comes down to a pure minutes total situation for him. So I feel like uh, between between Collins and Kessler, you're uh, making a little bit of a of a dart throw on who will actually end up uh, playing a couple of those extra minutes and, and getting up to their numbers. But both of their price tags put you in a situation where you can actually uh, still get some decent value out of them where they are at the moment. Yeah, definitely solid picks. And, and you're right. I really do feel like Kessler will be a nice little um, cash game play. Um, going with the spin-up, I'm going to go probably to the game I've been talking about quite a bit, and that's um, back to the Houston, Indiana. If I'm not playing um, Jabari Smith in a GPP, I'm definitely going to be playing Shingun in um, cash games. Might actually throw him in um, GPP on this late as well. Um, again, matchup against Indiana, pretty high pace. Um, should be able to get to the line in this game as well. And I, I really don't see him going under 40 DK points in this spot. And he does have a potential of a upside of around 60 DK points in this spot. Um, going for my mid-tier play, um, that's something I'm also going to be playing in both cash and GPPs. That's going to be Nick Clancid against Dallas, um, especially with Lively out. Uh, I really do feel like this is a double-double spot for Claxton. Um, and props, if I could get a double-double out on Claxton, I'm definitely going to be taking in this matchup. For 7-1, he should be able to get you a couple steals and blocks as well. So you're looking at an upside of anywhere of 45 to 55 DK points. And the floor, as long as he stay out of foul trouble, should be around 30. So... I really do feel like in 7-1, in a spot where he could have less than 15% ownership on a small slate, this is something that I will take advantage of. And for my cheapy play, I'm actually going back to the same matchup. Man, I hate saying this name. Um, we might need to edit this part out the podcast, but um, I'm going with Matthew Cleveland or Dwight Powell, um, depending on how the rest of my funds are remaining. And I'm going to be using that as my... Last pick, um, if I have 4-5, going to be Cleveland, 4-1, going to be Powell. 
And if I said this need to be omitted for the podcast, you know this is GPP <laughs> only. Do not play these picks in cash. Again, do not play these picks in cash. But if you need a last piece at the center position, Keebler and Powell both have an upside of around 20 to 25 DK points in this spot. I like how the uh, the voice went a couple of caves deeper, just trying to get that out there. It's like a, uh, <laughs> it's like you're just absolutely just hurting yourself feeling through. I mean, might as well go with Kevin Love for 3600 at that point and see if you can get lucky from that perspective. But no, I, I get where you're coming from. There's always uh, the odd uh, the odd chance for one of those guys to get a couple more minutes in there in, under them and uh, go ahead and keep that. Especially Kleber, I actually don't mind uh, taking him in a, in a couple of lineups there as well. But that does bring us to the end of what was a pretty packed uh, the six game slate here, obviously uh, between uh, both of us, some games that have had much greater focus than, than some of the other ones. So definitely keep that in mind when you're starting to put together some of these lineups there. And as I said, as always, you want to uh, discuss where things are going, get yourself that sports ethos DFS pass, join us on discord and, and talk through your process in terms of being able to kind of break down a slate, something of, of this kind and, where it is that you're potentially looking as far as your value is concerned. If you want to hit me up, you can always catch me on Instagram, on Twitter, at H-A-K underscore devil. Talk to me about uh, about what you're thinking and who you're going to be spending up on. And uh, Kenny, where can the good people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at OrangeDFS. I'm always talking about all levels of basketball, from NBA to WNBA moves with Aguma K going to Seattle, create a super team. Um, always down to talk basketball. Love it. Well, that's where exactly where you can catch us. And until the next one, we will catch you on Sports Ethos. And let's go ahead and take down some of these GPPs.